Hey guys, I uh, want to welcome you to another edition of Halftime Chat. And um, this is one of those times when um, every now and then I'm going to have a guest that, um, that I'm going to get a guest that I'm going to go live with. So that, um, yeah, just to show you how, how it's like when I'm doing the interviews. Um, and uh, this guest, her name is Angel Session. She's based out of um, the Bay Area, uh, out of California. And um, she's been around in, in the R&B industry for a long time. Hasn't made it onto a signed a major deal and stuff, but it's going to be interesting just to see um, how independent artists, those who have been trying for such a long time, um, tend to make it. I know Diddy has put out uh, a video just a couple of days ago to say R&B is dead. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not that R&B is dead. It's the fact that um, R&B artists um, have had their, their outlets in order to express themselves severely limited. So it's not been easy for them to put out music. Um, and if they do put on music, they have to, in a sense, compromise to get their play. So I'm going to talk to Angel just to see how she's been doing. And just as I said, this is how it is live. So... Um, I'm just going to invite her in and, and just go through the interview and so you can see um, how these things are done. But, um, yeah. Yeah, there she is. Send it off. So generally, you just kind of wait for the audio to connect and go through. Yeah. But... Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yes. Oh, okay. I do. I, I don't know if you're able to switch your your camera to the side. It it just gives us a better oh. view of you. <laughs> oh, Demetrius, come here. Sorry. <laughs> the, can you help me take my two? I gotta turn my phone this way. Yeah. It's. It, I had, had to, device. I, I had to learn the hard way to. That's what he said is better. Yeah, yeah, that's much better. <laughs> um, I'm going to close this a little so it won't be so bright. Okay, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Now yeah. my light on. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm sorry, I'm just not trying to get jested. No, you're doing good. You're doing good. Yeah. It's bright enough or should I have it? No, brighter? you're fine. No, we're fine. Yeah. So, I mean, we, 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 we oh, you know, I always start off by, um, because we've got to watch the show a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. So I always ask my guests, I mean, where are you from? Because, you know, we do have, um, people from all over the world that, that watch in. So where were you sort of born and raised? I'm born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. And um, so Kentucky, apart from the Derby, what else do we, do we, should we know about Kentucky, Louisville? Well, it's been so long since I've been there, but because I left there when I was 14. Okay. But um, I like it because, you know, most of my family still looks back there. It's more laid back. They call it the bluegrass state, but um, I just like it because it's just more, it's probably different now, but when I was a child, just more laid back, more friendlier people. When you're walking, people say, hello, how are you? And they speak to you. Then I'll snobby and up and they just look at you like, I don't know you. Sometimes you say hello, because I'm in Cali now, you know, sometimes people speak, sometimes they don't, but, um, you know, because I'm what do you call it? Out of bird is why I love people. So I always like to speak and say hello and things like that. Yeah. The, I mean, growing up there uh, and, and, you know, for, for those of us who uh, aren't based in the States, I mean, it's, it's considered the South, but how did you get into singing? That's a good question. So I've been loving, I've been singing since I was a little girl. I've always loved it and had a passion for it. So Back in the day when, you know, there were like commercials with a lot of great songs, things like that. I would just love to listen to it. My mom would sneak into the room and then she would hear me sing. I get shy at the time. So I just always just had the just passion and love of singing. What really got me into it because my mom 
had all these records, you know, and she would buy all the albums for all great artists, things like that. You know, I don't know what Natalie Cole, you know, um, from all the greats, Earth, Wind and Fire, you name it. She had every record there was. And so she would play it for two hours. And instead of me going outside to play with my siblings, I would sit at the record player and just listen to her play her music and just play for two hours or watch Soul Train and just listen to the music. I just had a passion for love and singing. And so when I was a kid, you know, I started singing in church and singing in the choir and becoming the lead singer and started writing songs since I was 11 years old. And um, that's kind of like where it all began, just this love and, and passion for Christ. I just love singing for him. I just love singing to him and just write these, my own songs. Wow. I mean, at, at that time, I mean, when you were young, with who, which sort of professional record artists were you um, inspired by? Maybe you on TV or or, or, the, or oh well, to music. you know when my mom was playing a lot of records. I mean, I was I was inspired by Natalie Cole, Aretha okay. Franklin, Earth, Wind and Fire, the Delphonics, you know, um, the Carpenters, um, you name it. Just every artist out there that I had a passion for, because I love harmonies, I love vocals ability and groups and singing. So I was really inspired by a lot of the great legends when I was young. And then, of course, coming up, I really got, you know, loving Whitney Houston, of course, and then Mariah Carey and all the vocalists, you know, um, Yolanda Adams and Faith Evans and just all the vocalists who can really blow. And then when, when did it become a set time when you thought, you know, actually this music stuff is something that I want to try and... Uh... And, and, and pursue as a career, because I think most of us who may be young, would, you know, those who could sing, would probably just think of it as you know, a nice little hobby. Um, right. But what, what does... From, yeah. It started for me in the 90s. Um, at first, I thought I wanted to be a model. So I remember um, getting into this modeling agency in San Francisco, California, and it was a big modeling agency. And my sister-in-law, she said to me, I think that um, you have a really great voice. She said, why don't you, I didn't know anything at the time how to network with people and get into the music industry, but I've always had a passion for it. And so she said, well, what we need is to get you in the studio. So we're going to look up a studio for you. So of course, I've only at that time recorded just one song, but it was, it was for fun and play at the time in 1989. So I found this studio in Oakland, California. And then I met this guy by the name of Michael Spider-Man Robertson. And we started working and recorded my first, first two songs, which was called um, Cherish. And then another, another song was called You Came Into My Life. And then I submitted the song Cherish to BET at the time when I used to have BET Home Jam pick of the week and they would play your video. So oh. I had cut a video with it. BET fell in love with it. BET was going to play it after they wrote me back saying, we love your video. And Donnie Simpson said, who is this girl, Angel Sessions? You know, he said, she's going to be big someday. He said, he really loved the video. And I was super excited. I'm like, wow, I got this letter from BET. They're going to play my video. And then something changed where I guess they had a new bought out. And I guess someone bought BET out. And then the home jam pick of the week stopped. So I never really got a chance to get my video played. I was sad about that, of course, but it just allowed me each time things like that happen, it just allowed me to keep pushing further. But I stayed in the studio writing a lot of songs that it came from writing two to over 500 songs. Yeah, you, you know, I think most, you know, most of the guests would, would uh, audience would be familiar with some of the um, artists who, you know, got signed to a major, had, had hit, hit, um, hit records. Um, but from your point where, it was a case where, okay, you, you probably hadn't got signed by a major, but what was it like then trying to then, you know, have a career that isn't, um, you know, backed by a, a major in those, in those early days? It was very, very hard, but because I had such a passion for the love of singing, the love of wanting so much to, at that time, get a record deal, I just continued to network. I continued to, you know, um, I stayed in the studio, as I said, I had over 500 songs by this time. And so I was just starting to meet a lot of people in the Bay Area. And um, eventually I met this woman by the name of a, my 
old manager, Debbie Gibson, and she had a husband named Billy Gibson, and he was the uh, road manager of SWV and Madonna and um, Beth Bib DeVoe and so many people. Mm-hmm. She had her own company called Majestic Management. So she was looking for a female artist to manage. So she came to the Bay Area and she auditioned six girls and I was one of them. And I didn't think she would pick me because these other girls could really, really sing and blow probably me out the water. But she ended up picking me because she said she loved my personality. We were both from Louisville, Kentucky. And she started managing me for the next three days, at next three years at that time. So um, we stay heavily working and trying to grind and get a record deal. So I had a lot of work I was doing with her, constantly performing in the Los Angeles area at the Budweiser Best of the West competition prior to, you know, they have now American Idol and things like that. I mean, they had yeah. Star Search back then, but that was pretty much the only thing they had then. But Budweiser Pick of the Week, I mean, Budweiser Best of the West competition was a big event that they put on in Los Angeles, um, where all the major labels from Sony, Warner Brothers, RCA, Mercury, whatever label it was around, Mm. was always there scouting talent. So JJ was the person who actually put it on. And so at that time, of course, I'm new, I'm just coming up. So you got to pay your dues. So I had to buy tickets, 10 tickets to be able to perform and then first you audition you for have to buy your own tickets people. yeah after wow. it, you have to buy your own tickets if you're chosen like i had to first audition for the labels um and it was like six execs sitting around the table you know from it was mca atlantic records sony epic you know warner brothers and so i sang one of my original songs You see me hanging, and it was a song written me and my friend OG Pierce, the late OG Pierce. And so they were so blown away. It was like, wow, they were just, their mouths were open. And I was so excited. My manager was excited. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm in. And yeah. she's like, no, Angel, you got to go out there and wow the crowd. I'm like, oh, I thought I was in. She's like, nope. So I had to end up buying them tickets and then perform with the rest of the acts. It was a lot of, com- it was competition. So that was around 94. And boy, well, that was a very serious time of the you know year for me because at that time I was still new. I've never really been conditioned to perform a lot on stage at that time. So mm. I remember when I did perform, it, I didn't do so well because I was so nervous with the big bright lights and all the execs sitting there and over seven, 800 people out there. It just was a, <laughs> an experience for me that I was never forget because I, w- I froze. Even though I sang... I did a terrible job in the beginning. I'm just saying this because it was my, you know how when you first start out, you have your stories. And this was what pushed me to continue in the music industry because when I felt like I had a deal, I had an almost deal with RCA Records. They really wanted to sign me at that time because they were there at the audition, but Mm -hmm. I needed to wow the crowd. And because Mm -hmm. I didn't do so well at that time because I was so nervous because I was so not used to being on stage it didn't happen for me. And so that situation didn't happen, but it did allow me to keep pushing and pushing and keep performing. And thank God the next two months later, I had another opportunity to perform again, the Budweiser Best of the West competition. Well, I had another deal on the table with me for Mercury Records. Okay. I mean, I I, I guess what is the thing that you did learn, um, especially going into that? Because I guess some of the things that I've heard a lot more with other artists is that they've they do a lot more of the shows so that when the auditions come, they're pretty much almost, it's almost like muscle memory. It's, it isn't uh, the, the challenge, but it seems if you focused a lot on the studio and the songs, as opposed to the actual showing uh, shows, was that the case? No, it's like, um, you, I mean, there had to be opportunities in order for me to perform at shows. So I did perform a lot at, you know, clubs, okay. you know, in the Bay area and in Los Angeles area, I did do that once I had my manager and things like that, and she was able to book shows for me. Mm. But because I was auditioning at that time to get a, a hopefully a record deal, yeah, that was very nerve wracking for me. Of course, I was very mm. nervous because I've never auditioned for a big crowd like that. And, and these, I'm talking execs of major labels. 
I was very nervous, you know, it was new to me, you know, yeah. um, and at that time, yeah, I performed here and there, but I wasn't like I was doing a lot, but I mm -hmm. eventually did, to be honest with you, I started doing more performances after Debbie and I kind of went our, our separate ways after three years. Then I got on my own grind, started doing my own thing. I started touring, you know, at, in Guam, you know, um, touring a whole lot of the Bay Area, um, constantly having my music demos and things like that, getting it a lot on the radio shows here in the Bay Area. You know, I'm going to the big radio stations such as KML or um, KBLX or, you know, the big stations here in the Bay Area, um, while 94 and just constantly pushing my demos, things like that, and selling my own cassette tapes. <laughs> like mm. they said, they sell it out of the cars. I was selling my own, you know, <laughs> in Guam, things like that. Or sometimes just giving it out to fans, things like that, just to get my name buzzing, get my name going. And people started talking about, you know, my name and my performances. And you need to meet this person. You need to meet that person. And they're looking for this artist and so on and so forth. And, and then I kept doing it until I ended up meeting Fred Pittman. And he was the one who started... Pitmobile, he's the late friend, he passed away, but he started Pitmobile Records around the time he met me. And from there, he was looking for a female artist. He wrote a song called She Was Never Her. And he was looking for a girl to sing it. Now, even though I write my own songs, he was a songwriter. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, he said, if you do it well with this record, if this record does well, then we'll do an album one. So he already had a deal with Ichiban Records out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, distribution wise so I ended up signing with him we ended up cutting that record in Las Vegas and then recutting it again in Atlanta Georgia I had to fly all the way to Atlanta Georgia to meet Ichiban label and John Abbey and all those at the time who was at Ichiban and they said they wanted an album on me not wow. a single um, so we ended up pushing the single, but I had a lot of records, as I told you, the 500 songs. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up having to go in there and grab at least seven of my songs, you know, but, and we were able to put it on this album. So it was really hard, of course, like like you said, um, of your question of getting, trying to do what you do without a record deal, because it was before I met Fred Pittman, it was a lot of grinding. I mean, mm. I was, you know, doing a lot of showcases, of course. I had to pay my dues and you know, it didn't matter. I had to buy tickets in order to get into the showcase. You know, I didn't at that time care. I just wanted to be seen. I just wanted to be heard. I wanted so bad to get a record deal. So I did a whole lot of that in the Los Angeles area, mainly, you know, to get heard um, because these were big showcases, not just with Budweiser Fest and West Competition, but other events that I was in, you know, in the Los Angeles area, as well as the Bay. So at that time, if you don't have a record deal, then you can't really get your music out. Was that how it is back in, in, in at, at that time? Yeah, it was really hard. If you didn't have a record deal, who was going to put your music in stores? You had consignments um, where you were able to go to the store if you knew somebody and say, hey, can I put at least five or tens of my tapes in your or CDs in your on your shelves? But it had to move within 30 days or they're going to move it off the shelves because they want to put the main music which is the popular ones from the mm. labels on the shelves to move it quickly so i did on my own consignment i mean i did a lot prior to me even getting with ichiban and, and meeting fred Pittman. i was um really good friends with a, a person i knew who used to work at sam goody if you remember the store sam goody mm, yeah. and i used to have my cassette tapes in rasputin sam goody tower records you know on consignment but because I didn't have any music at the time on the radio, it made it difficult for me because in that area, they said, well, where's your, who's playing your music? They would ask, well, who are the radio stations playing your music? Mm -hmm. You know, and if you're, if you're not getting played on that, in that area, then they don't really want to push your music on uh, in the stores. They don't want your music sitting on their shelves. So it was really a challenge for me because, you know, um, I had many packages. I would go to the post office and always, send out, send out, send out and get a whole lot of rejections, you know, for reason. I mean, they said, you're going to get a lot of no's before you get your yes. So I was to totally grinding a lot, pushing my music to various major labels and sending out packages after packages, 
you know, mm. while doing my showcases, while staying in the studio, recording new songs, because I never knew what was that, that next song that's going to make someone say that's the song or something. Wow. So what was the thing that kept you going? Because that seems like, uh, especially it's, uh, you know, in the industry that if they don't sign you, it, it can seem like a needle in a haystack to find somebody to discover you. Uh, did you even consider being part of a sort of let's become a group? Because in the early 90s, there was more of an emphasis on, on, on groups getting picked up and discovered. At that time, no, I just really wanted to be a solo artist. Um, I know that you're right. They had a whole lot of groups in the 90s and I loved all those groups, but I was just mainly focused on trying to maintain just being a solo artist. Now I had an opportunity later on in the year 2000 to be in the group, but that was right after the Ichiban and Vote record days, which is why they want to jump to so far in. Yeah, um, yeah. But I had an opportunity to be in a group and I actually auditioned to be in that group and I actually got picked. This was because Clyde Davis was looking for a group. And there was five of us, five girls, and Clyde Davis waiting for this young lady. It was actually her. She was the main girl putting this, I forget her name, putting this group together. And she met me and I auditioned and she said, we needed her to get this song because Clyde Davis is looking for us. We took pictures. We had wore all these gorgeous, gorgeous clothes in Los Angeles, clothes that Britney Spears wore. I wore a Britney Spears jacket <laughs> and her pants, you know, things like that, that she had worn on one of her photo shoots. And we did a photo shoot. Everything was ready and ready to go. But then it fell through. It's always like that and eventually fell through. And even I didn't want to be in the girl group anyway, but I did it because I'm like, this may be a stepping stone for me because this was right after the Iggy Bond and Vote Records um, situation that I pushed to be that, um, to be in the girl group. But prior to that, yes, I would continue to be a solo artist Mm. and network and meet a lot of people because I felt like in my heart I knew I had what it took and if no one didn't believe in me I believed in myself enough to know that I can write I can sing you know and it's just it's going to be a matter of time just going to keep praying because God's will the Lord will allow a certain door to be open for me that only he can open so I never gave up on you know believing in that and so I continued to push and push and stay focused on whoever I met and the songs that I had, the opportunities that I got up until, like I said, when I met Fred Pittman. And then that's when things did, started happening a lot for me at that time. Then what happened to the record then that, that you put you, they put out with Ichiban? So Ichiban put out my first album, which was called Introducing Angel. And it came out in 1998. And um, Japan loved it so much that they picked it up and then they re-released it in Japan and it did really well in Japan. Um, but all of a sudden Ichiban folded. So I had put out my first single, which was called She Was Never Her. I was gonna put out my second single, but eventually Ichiban did fold and it was no more. And they sold their label, I think to, I don't know, was Universal or something like that. Wow. So eventually, we had all this material. So Fred and I decided, let's just go back in the studio. We ended up using Ichiban Studio, which they allowed us to use, cut more new songs and meet a lot of great people that were on the record. At this time, I was only able to write maybe four or five songs on the album. Mm -hmm. And I worked a lot with Preston Glass, who worked with Norton Michael Warden. And he, we, he produced a lot of songs on that album. Um, I worked a lot with um, Andre Simone, who was with um, um, Prince and the Revolution. So he did, he worked on the first album and the second album. And we ended up putting out the album Love Ride. Now we shopped it first. Prior to going to Fantasy, we ended up shopping it to various labels. But Fred Pittman, I guess, was kind of old school. So he wanted me to be kind of like that Whitney Houston. So most of my music was more balladeer. Wow, okay. And when I write, I was writing more like that Aaliyah, you know, a be more youthful sound. Yeah. Whereas he wanted me to stay in that ballad, Whitney Houston kind of sound. So that's, he got most of his producer friends, you know, Larry Baptiste, you know, Clay Tobin, things like that. And a lot of people to write mm. music and, and songs for me. So I guess the labels, they weren't really looking for that sound at that time. You know, mm. looking for more 
of an Ashanti at that time. So Ichiban decided that they'll put it out because Fred Pippen had a lot of friends that he knew. And they said, if you were able to get all these legends, which is the Dells, the Dale Phonics, Frida Payne, um, um, Ollie Woodson, and all these people will do a one album deal on them. And then we'll, of course, we'll put out Angel Sessions. So I was the very first artist that they put out. And then they ended up putting out all these great legends. And and Lenny Williams did all these great albums on them. And I was able to work with them also, meet them and have songs of theirs on the studio and do all their background vocals and duets, things like that, while putting out Love Ride on Fantasy, which reactivated Stacked Boat Records. And how did the album do? Well, the album could have did well. It could have did well. But, you know, another story again, they ended up folding because, I mean, Phil Jones at the time was the vice president, a wonderful guy he was. He passed away. Uh, he really believed in me. He was so wonderful. He, he was um, one of the presidents, a vice president of Motown Records, mm-hmm. and he decided he wanted to work with um, Fantasy Records. And he really believed in me because, you know, he said Lenny Williams and, you know, all the other acts, the Delfonis and all of them, you know, they had their moment and he said but I see something in you and I really want to give you an opportunity so they really spent a lot of money on this album to do what it did but eventually I don't know what happened it also folded we put out our first single which was called get it right and I wrote that single co-wrote it with um I forget his name but he co-wrote um no scrubs um with some of the other writers and we wrote this song called get it right and we did a video with and shot the video with um, Fred Hammond, Fred Hamilton, Fred Williamson, Fred Williamson in the actor, he played my dad in the video. And um, BET, we were gonna push it and get it out there, but it was just a lot of negative things that did happen, you know, financially, you know, people were taking the money and squambling it, hmm. not doing what they're supposed to do. Fantasy was paying to get this video on BET pain get these songs on various radio stations money was being squirmed things weren't being done the way it was supposed to be done and there's a whole lot of friction and frustration in the label because the money wasn't being spent like it should have on my behalf for this you know to break and happen so mm-hmm. even though there were radio stations that did pick up like over 80 radio stations bds that did pick up the record you know um the BET, the video could have helped push it, mm. but yeah, it was a lot of things that didn't do, go right. And then eventually with the second single we were going to put out, eventually they folded. Wow. So when they folded, the album was still brand new. It had only been out for maybe a few months. Mm. And it, eventually, I don't know what happened, they folded. And again, not an opportunity for this album, nor the first album to really get into the water to seek in to really, you know, do what it could have done. But they were both great albums, especially um, Love Ride. Mm-hmm. It was very discouraging, you know, for me because I really felt like I was that far, but yet I was, you know, not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I mean, when you go through something like that, what's um, what does it make? What does it happen? Does it? Are you in a position where you're thinking, you know? Maybe I need to find a different career or what goes through your mind? I didn't want to find a different career because, again, I believed in myself so much, you know, and the talent that God had given me. Um, I just knew I had to go into a new direction. So Mm. I didn't have a manager at that time. Fred Pittman was more of a producer of mine. You know, he wrote songs. He was wonderful to me. He was able to connect me with, you know, with fantasy and a whole lot of wonderful friends of mine I met, which the Dells, the Delphines, Brenda, uh, Frida Payne, I met all of them through him. So all that was wonderful. But as far as my music and my career, I did feel stagnated. I did feel pushed back. Things mm-hmm. weren't financially going the way it's supposed to be. Fantasy did spend a whole lot of money, you know, to make things happen. Money was being squambled. You know, this is what I was told by the vice president later on mm-hmm. after things didn't go down the way it should have. And he told me exactly how much money he spent, which was like at that time over $100,000 to really try to get that album off the ground. And things just wasn't going the way he expected it. And so he was like done with trying to give any more budget to 
you know, the person I was working with anymore because it was through him and this agreement that I signed, you know, that I had to go under, you know, so it wasn't like I was directly with them, you know, and then I come to find out later on, Phil Jones said that I was always a free agent, that they had an album that they were able to put out, but I wasn't technically signed precisely to them in a sense. Mm. So I could have went anywhere. I could have been with Sony. I could have been with any label. Had I known, I would have been pursuing that opportunity. And I had opportunities that did come my way. There were people that did want to sign me, major labels. But again, I was stagnated by the person I was working with because he was telling them I was signed with Fantasy Mm. um, at that time, which I wasn't. So again, it didn't happen. And so it just eventually... I didn't find myself as an independent artist around 2003 and just started in independently going so what, and just doing my own thing. So what is like as an independent artist? So from 2003 to now, what's, what's life like? Cause I said, uh, by that time, I think there was a, a huge emergence of hip hop coming to become more mainstream music and um, bit by bit, there's a limit to how much sort of pure R&B was a lot, had, had a, any screen time or radio stations were being bought up by conglomerates um, as well as BET, Vicon um, um, and, and digital radio. So that meant that, you know, the people lost their independence. So, you know, a, a DJ couldn't just play any track on the radio, neither could... Um, they just decide to play any video because they're getting sort of paid by the major labels to push songs and artists and stuff. So what's it like then being independent in the midst of what's happening in mainstream, but, for, you know, um, how's it like for yourself? Well, around 2017, I decided to start my own record label with my two founding partners, Rodney Cruz and Demetrius Gidry. Prior to that, I was just pushing music and, you know, cause I got it actually back and, you know, I've, I was doing R&B in the beginning, as you know, with Ichiban and Fantasy. And then I decided around 2003 to start doing gospel, urban gospel music. So okay. that was really where my desire was. So I started doing that for a while and I still do that. That's really what I do now, mm-hmm. you know? So even though I had a lot of R&B music that wasn't even out at that time, because I don't mean to go back, I'm going to go back to your question, but around that time, around 2002, there was a site called, if you remember, mp3.com, which was now bought out by Universal. But at that time, Mm. you were able to upload your music um, on there and get a lot of fans before social media was even big. So I had this album, me and OG peers produced, um, and I wanted people to hear it. So I was uploading it. I was making my own copies you know, getting my artwork, making my own copies, uploading to MP3s. And I had a lot of fans that were starting to really love. My music at this time was more of this R&B hip hop style, you know, because that's the way I write my music. So it had mm-hmm. a very commercial radio friendly sound. So mm-hmm. a lot, I didn't realize how popular I was on MP3.com, quite frankly, until 2012, 2013, when I got back, because I wasn't on social media around 2007, eight, nine, and 10. Um, I didn't get on it until like around 2011, 12. And I started Googling my name and then people started, I started seeing a lot of blogs about me and my formal album on this mp3.com now bought up by Universal Records that people had bought my album and said, oh, this album no more soul, but these, these were the songs on it. And people were leaking some of these songs on YouTube. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, I might as well give my fans what they want. So I decided to put it out in 2017 called I'm Who I Am, which mm-hmm. was the exact same material that I've never put out before. And I, because I was, I had all these fans I didn't know that I had, you know, putting up all these wonderful blogs and music about me and writing about me. I'm like, wow. So when I gave them what I gave them, it just started spreading more. But I was, I was trying to con- combine the introducing Angel love ride and this is the same girl because that those albums did do somewhat good Mm -hmm. i mean i was talked about i had a write-up in rolling stone magazine i had a write-up in billboard you know 
um, a lot of people in the industry were like, who's interested in talking? And I was getting a lot of big buzz, you know, like the next big act, you know, to break, even though the labels did fall, but my name was, was buzzing in the industry a mm. lot. And so I wanted people to kind of remember that. And when I started Googling my name, I started seeing a whole lot of writing about me in, <laughs> in regarding to those first two albums and this other album I put up on MP3. So because I was doing gospel, I said, well, how do I try to tell my fans that person is still the same person, which is me. So each time I would do my interviews, I would kind of like let them know like I'm doing now. And now they're starting to understand. But um, I started it. I started my label and Atlas Elite Entertainment with my two founding partners, Rodney Cruz and Demetrius Gidry. And uh, I wear a lot of hats, as you know, not just <laughs> as an artist, <laughs> but I have to do my own, you know, the marketing, the uh-huh. PR, promotion, public relations. You know, I have my own, I'm a manager, I have my own acts that I have two other acts, which one of them is my daughter, Shardella Sessions. She's an RB singer. Uh, wonderful beautiful girl beautiful singer mm-hmm. and I signed her to my label and another hip-hop rapper which is called uh, Big Way and he's phenomenal so I'm working with my two artists along with myself and I have a lot of fans now since you know <laughs> all these things has happened things like that and just knowing how to just kind of like stay in touch with and stay in tune with my fans speak to them so I mean I do enjoy the independent side even though I know it's a lot harder Mm. Because I know that with independence, not as easy, but thank God that my fans are supporting of me, you know, and even in the, in the mainstream, you know, because I still get the support of Spotify. I get the support of um, SoundCloud. I get the support of Diesel. I get the support of the, of the Grammys because I'm a Grammy voting member, you know, and I get the support of the Grammy voting member team of a lot of people that I've met in the industry and just a lot of people that have you know, I've gotten rewards for, you know, independent awards and things like that. And so it's, it's a wonderful thing, even though I know it's hard, but because I, again, that word passion, it's yeah. the passion that keeps me moving, it keeps me going and keeps me grinding, you know, in this independent world. And that I know is a really difficult because you got this major stream over here, but I've always said, I do believe that the independent and the mainstream artists are going to merge together. And there's going to be a lot of, you know, because they're going to want, there's a lot of, indie, there's a lot of major artists you already know that do want to go independent, yeah. you know, and have their own, own their own masters and own their own this and that, you know, but just merging together because I think it's a wonderful thing that they, we should do be able to do anyway. And it should not ever be a separation yeah. between two because there's a lot of great music out there, you know, with independent artists that they're trying to act like there's not there, but it's not true. I mean, so I think one of the questions I guess we always have when it comes to being an independent artist is that, especially the way the the consumption of music is today, um, people of a certain age demographic are more likely to listen to new music on YouTube, um, either a video or lyric video, um, and less likely to go out and you know buy the uh, you know download or stuff. Um, maybe a single, but even that, it's it is it doesn't have the same value as it once did, where you're buying a CD and looking at the liner notes and everything. So then, as an independent artist, how is it then? Can you can make a career, well, a career and a livelihood from releasing music in 2022 compared to how it might have been when you were going to Sam Goody and and Tower Records and stuff and actually selling physical copies well as you know streaming is in and even though i know that i do believe that the vinyls will come back and downloads are still available people do still download um, but streaming is the big thing now and so if you just mainly in my opinion just focused on having to connect with your fans focus Mm -hmm. on connecting with your fans and you know, making sure that whatever you have coming out, whether you have a, a show to do or whether you are got a new single, things like that, always kind of like invite your fans in and make sure that whatever you're doing, that they're a part of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I know it's not as easy financially because people are looking for a big spin. I mean, a lot of people just want to, you're not going to get rich overnight. You're not going to get famous overnight, you know, but I still believe because there is social media, you can 
broaden yourself a lot mm. quicker than you could back in the day because you know from the old school way it was difficult there was no mm. social media so now you can through facebook through twitter instagram mm. tiktok you know this is the way to do it and yes it is eat harder financially you know yeah. because you do have to have a budget, things like that, but the budget's not, it doesn't have to be as big as it used to be. You don't have mm. to spend millions of dollars on videos when now you can use your cell phone and people are now using their iPhones now recording their own video, you know, yeah. or now you can now have your own studio in your own home instead yeah. of going to the big studio and spending all this extra money. There's mm. a way of cutting costs and things like that. And there's a lot of companies that are independent that are supporting a lot of independent artists. So the cost effective is not as much as it used to be. You know, but if you stay and focus on what you're doing and not just focus on the first thing, you don't put the cart before the horse, you know, yeah. you're just thinking about the money all the time and not your craft, then you put out crappy music, what, it's not going to sell, you know, yeah. so focus first on making great music yeah. and focus on pushing it to the fans and focus on, you know, having a relationship with your fans that can help support. I call it viral marketing, yeah. you know, where you definitely you know, support where they're pushing you as well as you're pushing yourself, you know, and have a small team around you that really trust and believe in you and that you believe that you can be able to do this together. I mean, so with that said, I mean, that's, that's, and that's really excellent to hear because I said, we, we always want to focus on independent artists to see the difference between um, getting music out there and all the revenue streams that you can get not over reliant on, on the, um, this, the revenue that can come from say Spotify is, is there anything that you have out now or coming out soon that you want people to be keep an eye out or, or to be able to access and work and where, they, where can they do that yes I just released a, a single and the single is called um wait for me so a long story short so you know I have the love right album right mm -hmm. The Love Right album and the Introducing Angel album I told you about, neither one of those projects were ever digitized. So you can only buy it in hard copies. Wow. Um, so what I did for my fans, I put out an album this year called The Best of Angel Sessions R&B that came out in March 25th of 2022. And it's doing well, it's sold a lot and streaming a lot and so that is the album that I would like people to go to get. I have some songs that I've already previously released um, on there. Some of them are from the first album, which is the Introducing Angel of the songs that I wrote that is on that album. And then I don't have any of the Love Right album songs on that one. But the song Wait For Me came from Love Right. And that was written by Joan Jett of Joan Jett and the, and, and the um, Black Hearts and Clay Tobin Richardson. And so, because that song kept being leaked <laughs> on YouTube wow. and also everywhere else, people kept telling me how much they really love that song. Even though I even put it out on SoundCloud, on my SoundCloud page, got over a million streams. Mm. So I decided to go ahead and put that song out as a single and it just came out um, July 29th of 2022. Okay. And so, um, that would be the song I definitely want people to go check out. It's doing well right now. And people really love it because when I first was going to put this out and I let people hear it, again, it kept leaking. They kept saying, oh, Angel, that's a hit. You got to put that out. <laughs> and it's been out for, like I said, a long time. But because it was never digitized, no one was ever checking it out because no one's really buying hard copies. Yeah. And like this other song I put out, my album, the, uh, the Best of Angel Sessions R&B, I put out a single this year also, which was called You Missed a Good Thing that came off my first album, Lover, I'm an Interesting Angel, and I wrote that song. That was the song I was going to put out. The second single, remember I told you, from Ichiban Before They Fold It? Yeah. So I ended up putting that out, and what happened? It went number one on um, iTunes in Singapore. Mm. It went number three on iTunes in Brazil. It went number one on Amazon, on the soul chart and the I and the R&B charts. And because it's digital and now people are able to be able to stream. Yeah, it text, yes. Yeah. Cool. So. I mean, just as we finish up, so you've um, 
are you directing people to go onto Amazon or Spotify or do you have a website where I mean all the music and everything that they want can be easily accessible I like to promote them all so of course okay. I don't have any of my music I don't have any of my music on my on my website but I do have a website which is um, angelsessions.com of course okay. and I have my business website which is um, with me Rodney and Demetrius which is atlasleenentertainment.com so Atlas you can what? find my music. Atlas, Atlas, what? Atlas Elite Entertainment. Okay, Atlas, 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 Atlas Elite. Elite Entertainment. Okay, okay. Yeah. And um, and this, so of course, my music is everywhere. So I like to, you know, promote SoundCloud because it's yeah. been good to me. You know, I like to promote um, um Apple Music because they've been good to me, and and Amazon because they've been good to me. So all my music is on all there, and Deezer because they've been good to me too. And okay. any other, wherever, wherever music can be found on the yeah. streaming site, you know, I mean, you'd be amazed, even though being independent, you know, it just makes me feel good that even as an independent artist that I still have the mainstream, big global companies that do support my music. Yeah. You know, that this really makes me happy because there's so many people out there that are doing what I'm doing. How do you become heard? How do you get heard above yeah. the way? Well, you just don't throw your music out there and expect it just to sell. You got to do a lot of marketing. You got to do a lot of pushing. You got to do a lot of promotion. And this is what I do in press releases and things like that. As I said, I wear a lot of hats. Yeah. So in doing that, it gets your work out there and you got to do a lot of, it's, 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 you got to do a lot of grinding, you know, with marketing. I mean, so, I mean, just finally, just, you know, what would be sort of advice you'd give any new and up and coming artists coming? You've, you've had all these time um, from almost getting close, but not so close, but, but you've now found a new lease and um, being in your own sort of label and, um, you know, with the support of two others um, and, and you're probably working more towards your own terms. So what advice would you give any, up and coming artists today, if they if they're also knocking on the label and um, in uh, uh, in uh, large labels and not getting through, what would you give advice? I would tell them, even if you if, if they want to go that route, they can. But if you get a lot of no's, don't be discouraged because a lot of times, of course, labels do look for you know, you've already having a lot of streams, you've already having a lot of you know followers. They want you to kind of already be broken. You know, they wow. don't want to start you from the beginning, whereas wow. you're nothing. You got to already kind of have a big following, you know. Wow. So once you've already worked that and having a big following and proving yourself and they see that because they got to see something because there's going to be putting a lot of budget behind you. Wow. Then that's when they come along and they may knock on your door because you, you, have to, you do have to go in through somebody, you know, I don't care if it's a big producer, some name, <laughs> you can't go in by yourself. You see what I'm saying? You know. Wow. The music industry is changing all the time, but that's what I was told, you know, that you got to already have a foundation and, and kind of globalize yourself already on social media mm. prior to a label coming your way. But you don't give up on yourself. If you even don't and you have a small, you know, um, following things like that, you mm. know, you just kind of like go to somebody like myself, you know, and you can go in my inbox. I love talking to artists. A lot of <laughs> artists come, to me, you know, and ask for my advice. You know, sometimes I may share their music on my social media platforms, depends, okay. you know, and them to just, you know, ask for advice and try to learn, you know, search the internet, get all you can as far as information is concerned to learn the yeah. business. It's so important. Don't go in there naive and yeah. blindsided <laughs> and not knowing you, or just you want to get rich and famous so quickly. You know, you got to learn the business. You got to do your own research mm. and Google and find a lot of information and read up on it and decide for yourself which is best for you what do you want but if you put the cart before the horse thinking that you're going to get rich and famous overnight yeah. that ain't gonna happen you know yeah i mean and that's, that's some, some good advice especially for those who get into the industry just to to make money as opposed to you know for the love of i've got all this music and i, and I just want to be able to get it out for people to to, and if I get made make money out of it, then that's great. But if not, all the songs are going to go to waste if it doesn't find an audience. So I mean, it's I mean, it's definitely well said. I mean, um, once again, it's angelsessions.com or atlaselite entertainment.com. Correct, correct. 
Okay. Yes. Um, at, and at Lee Entertainment, we not we're not only just a label, but we just did an award show. But we have our own American. We have our own music award show online because I we I believe in giving back. So in order for me to help independent artists, we every year from January until June, we have artists submit their music to us, uh. and it's only twenty five dollars because you know we do have to buy the awards and then send it off to them to their homes, and each month, you know, we pick a denomination of each category. There's about nine categories. And then in July, which if you go to Adam's Elite Entertainment YouTube, you can mm. see, or I'll probably send it to you. You can okay. watch the award show. And, mm -hmm. um, and we had a lot of great artists. It's like the very first award show we did. And if you remember Latoya London from American Idol, yes. her music was submitted and she ended up winning. Not because she was American. Oh, she's awesome. <laughs> Not because she was a Latoya London, but because she was just awesome like that, you know. Yeah. And she ended up winning Artist of the Year and also um, the R&B section of that. Um, so we have a lot of great art. And then when a lot of the artists that when we even have Latin, you know, award also combined with it, the rest of our categories. And these artists, they come out with great careers afterwards. People start to recognize them and notice them. They start to get shows booked and all mm -hmm. kind of great things happen to them as because they get an, an, an Atlas Elite Entertainment Award from us. Wow. This yeah. right here was our, let me, let me attention to this silly thing. This was our very first award. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just put this on here. Okay. You know, it's not a Christmas ornament. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so, and I, I just love doing that. I love making artists happy and um, listening to their great music because I'm filled with music all the time. Like right now, this is the Grammy season. So okay. I'm okay. a lot of music right now because, you know, it's now consideration time. I just opt my music in also the um, the uh, the best of Angel Session R&B. Um, so six times uh, I have been, you know, on pre pre um um, nominated for a Grammy on the first ballot. So um, I'm doing it again right now and um, also listening to a lot of other artists. So, and then we also have an online magazine that okay. we love to showcase people in and things like that. And a lot of celebrities and a lot of, you know, people. Okay. I mean, just because we was to leave, I mean, people might be watching and thinking, um, well, how do you, as an independent artist, uh, make your way to become um, a voting member of the, of the Grammys. How does that happen? Well, it, when I when I first got in in 2015, it was different then. Um, my manager called the Grammy organization. He told them about me, and they Google my name, and they immediately got me in the very next day. You know, because of what they saw. Now you have to have two voting member peers to vote you in. Wow. And yeah. And then once you do, they still have to make the, the final decision. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, uh, and then with being in there, are you going to, do they limit you to focus on the um, R&B, hip hop and, and uh, say gospel, or are you allowed to vote across all the categories? You're allowed to vote for all the categories and like at least five of them. At least okay. five of them. Yeah. So you just like whoever it is, your peers, if you feel that their music is worth being nominated for, and as you're listening to their music, then that may be the person you might choose, you know. Um, and depending on, because there's lots of categories they have out there. Okay. And so you can choose who you feel that's worth nominating for. Okay. Okay. That's very fascinating. Well, I think finally, when I do... And my shows, I always ask my guests that if you were stuck in an elevator and had an opportunity to watch a movie while before they get you out, what movie do you request? Movie. Hmm. Um, I'm not trying to be biased, but I did do a movie and I have two movies out right now. I have one on Paramount Pictures called Smile Like Yours that I'm hmm. in. And I had another movie I did with Fred Williamson called Down and Dirty. And I, I played myself. I'm singing in that movie. Uh, it's on my IMDb. So, hey, I, I tell people to watch Down and Dirty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. 
where, where, where are they able to get that on Netflix now or where can? Yeah, that that that's on that's sold on um Amazon and okay. you know um you can yeah Google Down and Dirty um I think Amazon's yeah there's I've definitely seen okay. it Amazon and the okay. soundtrack is out there too I have I'm on the soundtrack as well okay and then and then finally I mean the other question is always you know, if you're thinking about your all time top song what song would it be by any sort of artist your favorite like your favorite song. Oh my. Um, I have lots of favorite songs. I love my daughter. As she, you know, um, she has a lot of great songs I love about her music. Um Chardella Sessions. So um wow. So for her, I would say I'll sing, you know, of course, you know. Mariah Carey, I would say um, she has too many. Vision of Love, Love Takes Time, Someday. I like all her old stuff. You know, Whitney Houston. Um, but I can't forget about me. I'm not trying to be biased, nothing, but I like a lot of my songs still. So. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I mean, it's only fair. I mean, especially if you, if you write, most people who do, who write or produce or, or cook, love what they what they turn out so that's always an important thing um but angel yeah it was definitely good to be able to have uh this our chat with you and i guess as i said it's, it's somewhat different than our, our our regular guest where everyone says oh yes they you know but, um but it's interesting just hearing the story from an independent side which is something that most of us would not have known about because most of our guests as i said would have told us about the experience signed to a major and the highs and lows of that but it's really interesting fascinating knowing that you've gone through the struggles for such a long time to a place where now you are sort of a boss and have a very different outlook when it comes to your music and the industry compared to others who were sort of schooled within the labels and now it's like finding their feet when major labels aren't signing R&B um generally what we were what we're known to the kind of r&b that we weren't used to from the 80s or 70s and even 90s um there's there's a sort of a hybrid of of uh of hip-hop singing kind of drake r&b as opposed to um luther or, or whitney or mariah but um yes so we will i mean when this goes out, we'll definitely make sure that we include the sort of details and, and links to where, so people can um, look for your, um, your your music, even even if some of the videos. Um, but also if they do want to follow up with you to get advice, especially those new and up-and-coming artists thinking about, well, you know, get advice as to what's the best way to break through. It'll be interesting to, to see um, and even if they want to get nominated for one of the categories in 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 your um, Atlas Elite Entertainment Awards, that that would be something to be able to point them to as well. Oh, absolutely! You know, because um, I have total fourteen albums out there and multiple number one singles out there. Even though people may not know them, and there might be some people say, "I never heard of Angel Sessions," and hopefully that they will. You know, because. If you have, like what you said, you you know, I love your show. I watch it all the time, you know, and a lot mm -hmm. of great artists you have um, interviewed. I'm like, oh, yeah, Shantae uh, Savage. Man, yes. I loved her songs. Man, you know, she was one of my favorite artists. I Will Survive, you know, and Bet You Never Find. I love that record of hers. You know, and so many people you, you have interviewed. Um, but if you've been signed to a major, like one of these, these great artists, they have been. But then once that happened, it does take away like a like a like a like a sour in them. Like, now where do I go from here? You know, mm -hmm. but if you like from my story, like you said, is that my journey was different. So even though I had a taste of Ichiban and fantasy. And, and, it, and it could have been bigger than what it was. Yeah. God allowed me to go in the direction of where I am now. For his reasons and I'm grateful to do so and I am still seeing more success to be honest with you now but I mm. ever could imagine back then even though there was some great success but not as much as it is now and 
being able to be your own boss and be independent is a great way for me and mm-hmm. hopefully for others to go to because you are able to be more creative. You are able to be more, you know, able to put out stuff. And especially if you put out great music and yeah. for your fans, you know, and never forget your fans, things like that. Don't like talk to them any kind of way, or disrespect them because there are, you know, people use social media in such a negative way and you should use it for positive, you know, and people are still people. You know, I treat my fans like they're, they're people you know, and they're the ones who help me and support me, you know, and I love them because I'm a people person. So it's just really important because when I do music, I don't do it just for me. I do it for my fans, you know, and all to the glory of God, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Angel, definitely it's been, it's been an honor listening to your journey, as I said, much different than, than the majority of our guests, but it's, it's, you know, must be the music is about what made it so that you, despite all the obstacles, you were still able to make a career out of it, uh, one that has flourished to where it is now. So, uh, guys, will you know definitely uh, check out um, search Angel Session, and uh, you probably come up with her um, her site and, and her music, and then uh, and even details about her, her her label as well as the award show as well. And um, yeah, and we just hope that when you are voting for uh, the uh, for the Grammys for next next year's Grammy Awards that uh, we are not getting the same people who keep winning every year um, and stuff, but that we do get people, uh, so we do get a lot more independent artists making it on the the ballot boxes and stuff. But uh, yeah. definitely, it was yeah, we appreciate your your, your time and um, yeah, definitely make sure that uh, you know hopefully more success and support uh, as you go along. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. I really appreciate you and, and appreciate everyone watching. And thank you so much. I'm very humble and very grateful to be on your show. You know, I'm really grateful. So praise God for you. All right. Thanks, Angel. All right.